What's up guys, Nelson Dellis here for another episode of The Mind Show. And before I talk about my guests, I wanna quickly thank my sponsor, ExtremeMemoryChallenge.com. And it's a project that I'm really involved with where we're trying to get a million test takers to take this memory test that we designed. Very easy, very quick, free, no very minimal commitment. Um, all you'd be doing is taking a memory test and helping out with our research. The goal is to find people with exceptional long-term memories. And with that, we can genetically test them and hopefully figure out how to cure a lot of these cognitive disabling diseases like Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, and so on. So please check it out, extrememorychallenge.com. I think we're at about just over 10,000 uh, test takers, which is great, um, but we're trying to get a million. Uh, the more people we get, the better mapping of the brain and memory, long-term memory of the world uh, that we can get. So do that. Now, our guest today is a master of one of these things. So years ago, before I was into memory, I was solving these things pretty quickly, not as quick as him. Um, this was kind of what my thing was. Um, so actually in my memory system, my number is 12. I am 12, my image for that number is me, and my object is a Rubik's Cube for that reason. So I am very passionate about the process of getting good at speed cubing. And so today we have a speed cubing champ named Anthony Brooks. I met him last summer in LA when we were shooting a show together and he is fast and uh, yeah, really fast. And he's a all around cool, super cool guy. So let's dive into it. Really excited about this episode. He's a fascinating guy and I'd love to hear him talk about the cube like it's no big thing. Um, so here we go. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of The Mind Show with me, Nelson Dellis. I'm your host, uh, US memory champion. And today we have a speed cubing champion, uh, Rubik's Cube champion, Anthony Brooks. Thanks for being on the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, so you and I, we met um, back this past summer, I think, um, when we were filming for uh, a show that's hopefully going to go on air soon. Um, the, what was it called? Superhuman? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to even say that word, but uh, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I got really excited when I saw that you could do a full uh, Rubik's Cube solve in a single Snapchat video. Um, that really excited me because the Snapchat video is not very long. Um, so ever since then, I mean, we, we've talked on and off, but um, I've always been interested in cubing. That's actually where I started getting into like memory stuff. Um, and then Rubik's cube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in a, a physics yeah. lab and we, we would just do random nerdy things. And one of the things we were like, let's solve Rubik's cubes. And, um, I learned about the memory that goes into blind solves. And then I dropped the Rubik's cube and just did memory stuff. So <laughs> anyways, um, <clears throat> I'd love to start just by, um, kind of getting into how you started. Like what was your first experience with the cube? How did you get uh, interested into it. Yeah, pretty similar to your story, it sounds like. Um, I went to a very math and science oriented high school, and um, this was back uh, right around when The Pursuit of Happiness came out with Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Did you see that movie? Yeah, I, I literally watched that clip where he solves the cube just a week ago. I love it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so that clip kind of got people all across North America out at Walmart buying Rubik's Cubes, going on YouTube, learning how to solve it. 
And next thing you know, there's a big Rubik's Cube craze at my school. Literally dozens of people. Like it was it was my freshman year of high school. And I remember I showed up after Christmas break and I had seen a couple of kids playing with Rubik's Cubes, but I don't remember anybody solving it. Okay. And then we show up first day, we have like an hour break before school starts, and everybody just kind of walks around mingling. And everywhere I went, people were solving Rubik's Cubes. <laughs> so that kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, and I didn't immediately jump into the whole cubing thing. But uh, a few months later, I had a long road trip to run a half marathon. Okay. And it was 10 hours, stuck on a bus. We were really bored. There's only so much, I don't know, Game Boys you can play in that amount of time. Yeah. One of my buddies was the fastest at my school. And I've always been super competitive. Okay. So he taught me, a few other people how to solve the cube. And then it was about six months later that I competed in my first competition. And that's that was really my introduction to this whole world of speed cubing. Nice. And and so how fast was your friend at that time set to solve? Um, he was under a minute, which okay. I thought was pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's it's really interesting to me that cubing is one of those things that even if you just pick it up and learn how to solve a cube and you can do it in five minutes, that's gonna really impress ninety nine percent of people you meet. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why I've spent so much time trying to get any better than that, but <laughs> hopefully yeah. there's some benefit there. I had the same issue. I when I first started memorizing decks of cards, you know, I was obsessed with trying to do it in front of people to show them, and I would just try to do it as fast as possible with one look, and that's impressive. You know, I'm talking about like 40 seconds, 50 seconds, but I'd make mistakes all the time because I'd be so nervous, and they'd be like, "That's not impressive. You can't memorize the deck." But then, so I learned that there, there's like a level where you can go slow enough, but it's slow for me, but fast enough for them to be still impressed and you get them all right, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and something that I kind of grapple with is that solving a cube in 20 seconds is quite fast, a lot faster than two or three minutes. So 20 seconds is fast and 15 seconds is fast, but within this Rubik's Cube community, world class is really under 10 seconds That's and insane. even if i solve the cube in seven eight seconds a lot of times people will be counting out loud it'll be one two three four five they tell me it's 15 seconds it's i it's hard for people to really notice the difference between yeah. nine seconds, seconds like that, and yeah. even 19 seconds right 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 and what's the current world record is it like four point something yeah, it uh, the world record dipped under four seconds just oh. this last year, and or sorry, under five seconds. Okay, uh, it was four point nine for a while, and then in November uh, it dropped to four point seven four. Okay, and then in December somebody lowered it to four point seven three. Oof! All right, <laughs> that's crazy. And are these are these averages, or is that like a single one-off yeah. shot? Yeah, that, that's a single solve. So the uh, difference between single and average is really that, that you know single times you can skip steps and get lucky. I don't, I don't really know if that happens with like decks of cards when you memo because I, I don't think you can skip anything. You, you can get a nice setup, right? But Right. No, they don't do that. There have been cases where like a deck wasn't shuffled, so you get like the automatic, you know, ace to king, ace to king, ace to king. 
but in that case, they know that it wasn't shuffled because when you reconstruct it, it's too close. So they redo it. Obviously, you don't even have to look at it. But um, the thing is, is even if it was, say, that fresh deck order, you know, ace to king, all the suits, and you maybe move two mm -hmm. or three cards, um, that still would be hard because you'd, it would probably be even harder because you'd suddenly have to figure out, you know, uh, without memorizing where those cards were switched or something. I don't know. Um, and then just because there'd be so much of a pattern, if you tried to memorize it, it would probably be a, a headache. Um, but so they don't really run into that issue. Uh, they usually just shuffle a shitload of times and then that's good enough, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so... So yes, I, I guess so. Let's let's talk about how people what, what competitions are like because I guess most people don't maybe know what the average score is and and different kinds of, of, of competitions and events they have. What's a competition like? Yeah, um, so there's a pretty wide spectrum of, of competition environments. Um, my first competition was at a library in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, this was in 2008, and cubing. It felt pretty big at the time, but it's a lot bigger now. Um, back then, I'd say the average competition had about 60 or so competitors. Okay. Um, but right now, we're looking at probably about 100 competitors on average at these competitions. Um, wow. There's, I'm, I'm competing here in Vancouver tomorrow, and oh, there's nice. going to be 150 competitors. Okay, cool. So... Every competition, there'll be different events. Um, in total, there are about 15 different events, um, ranging from uh, the standard cube to smaller versions. This is a 2x2, two two, then you know it gets bigger, 4x4, sure. 5x5, four five five, all the way up to a 7x7. Seven seven. Then there are a few different shapes, like a pyramid cube and stuff like that. Okay. So generally at competitions, uh, there'll be a set list of events that are held. And there'll be a few rounds of each event. So going off the standard cube, I'd say tomorrow in Vancouver, um, most people will be solving the cube in under 45 seconds. Okay. I would say it'll probably it'll probably take about a 25-second average to advance to the second round. Got it. Okay. Then probably about a 12-second average to make it to the finals. So there's like three rounds, and then you get what five attempts per round? Yeah. Okay, got it. Five attempts. Uh, your fastest solve and your slowest solve are thrown out, and you take the average of the middle three times. Cool. And then do you? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just saying you, you can screw one up. Okay. Because uh, well, in competition, there's um, actually thinking back when I started cubing. Uh, if a piece popped out of the cube, which used to happen a lot more back then because the hardware wasn't as good, yeah. if it popped out, they'd give you a redo. Now what happens is you don't get to redo the solve, but that'll count as your worst solve. You're and then okay. tossing out your best solve means that if you get insanely lucky on one, it's not going to, yeah. you know, yeah. Skew the average, yeah. Exactly. That's crazy. Um, and then, so who, who mixes it up? Or is, does everyone get the same mix? Is it done very uh, yep. fairly, or is it all random? Um, so we have a computer program that will generate a totally random scramble that everyone will get. So there'll be designated scramblers that 
the way it works is there'll be a piece of paper with a competitor's name on it, the event. It's their scorecard where they write all the times down. Okay. And they'll place their puzzle solved on the card, and then a scrambler will get that. They'll follow the string of letters that, okay. you know, dictates Code, yeah. how you should scramble it, and then everybody has the same starting spot. Got it. Okay. That's, yeah. that's cool. And then... Um, I assume it's the same in memory competitions, right? Will they have the same... Same like shuffled deck or sometimes. I mean, in the 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 world championships, everybody just randomly shuffles. Um, the thing with cards is, I guess, I don't know how how to compare it to Rubik's cube, but it's they're all as equally complex when you shuffle enough. I think. Um, but in in the U.S. championship, the finals is on stage, and they've given us all the same decks to memorize because we have to say them in order, and we're. <laughs> we're pulling from the same memory of the same deck. So it needs to be the same. Um, but the other one at the world championships, you're just memorizing as fast as you can, um, you know, as fast as, uh, alone, you know, at your yeah. own table. So, but and I uh, guess everybody has, has, I mean, you have different codes for, for the letter, like the pairs of cards. Right. So even if you have the same shuffle deck, it's not really going to, yeah, exactly. I remember, like, in 2013 or something, I, one of the decks, I didn't get it right, I missed a card, but it started off so good, and for me, so good means it was, like, an image of me, an image of me climbing, uh, and it was, like, the perfect story, it like, was, like, super designed for me to memorize, you know, and if someone else had gotten that, maybe it would have been their worst images or something, you know, in sequence. So it's, there's no way to really tell that. So that's why I don't think it's as, um, done, um, the same, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With cubing, are we there? Yeah. Okay, cool. A little bit of an echo. Um, yeah, with cubing, everybody, most people use a very similar method. So even if we use slightly different algorithms, the start of the solve is almost always the same idea. You can do it a little bit differently, yeah. but that's part of the reason why it's really important that we do have the same randomized scramble Okay. because it can, I mean, each scramble makes a huge difference at the very beginning of the solve. I see. The middle and the end are influenced by what you do at the beginning. So... It's, it's hard to end up with the same ending of each soul, but the beginning's what's really important. Got it. And then before you do your timed solved, can you look at the cube or it's just timed as you start to look at it? Yeah, we get up to 15 seconds to, to okay, look at the cube before starting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then I mean, this we can segue into the, the strategy, but I guess at that point, you're, is, is everyone starting with looking for that cross? That first layer cross? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just about everybody. There are a couple other methods that, that don't start with that cross, okay. but I would say 99% of people at these competitions are all looking for that cross. Okay. But, but then something that is, is kind of interesting about my solving when I compete is I bet I bet you learned how to solve the cube starting with that white cross. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, because so the, the, the Rubik's logo is on the white. You just got to start there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fair, and you know everybody teaches that in videos online, so yeah. people have ended up using white. But when I was taught, I didn't learn from a video. My friend taught me, okay. and he said you can start with whatever color you want. Okay. So yeah. I ended up doing blue. Oh, weird. Which means. <laughs> 
Yeah. It feels wrong. <laughs> um, and what's interesting about it is it inevitably either gives me it, it, the variance is there, but it'll either give me an advantage or a disadvantage okay. because everyone else is using white. So if white has really bad scrambles for their cross at the beginning oh, yeah. Yeah. and blue is good, I have an advantage. I see. Yeah. But then, but then there are times where after a round people are talking and I hear everybody will, will be going on and on about how great the scrambles were. Yeah. And, and you're you know, like, uh, I'm like kicking fun. myself. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So what's the opposite of the blue side then? What's the is green. It green. Okay. So green is your last, that's your, well, yeah. Tell me how you, what's the very basic way to solve it. And then tell me how you solve it. I mean, I, I've done it, but I wanted to hear it from you. Sure. So basic way is starting with a cross and, you know, I do blue. Right. So there's my blue cross on the bottom. After this, I'm sure you, you put in the corners of the bottom layer, That's right? right? Yeah. And then probably the, the edges in the middle layer. Yeah. Okay. So going through that right now, I'll show you what it kind of looks like. There's one, two, and you'll notice I'm doing a lot of moves for this. So there's three... Four. So that was maybe thirty moves to solve the bottom bottom layer of the cube right here. And you also didn't really like look at it while you're doing. You kind of know it's really cool to watch you do it. It's just like pulling triggers and stuff. But you, have, I have a, a really good sense of I think where everything is, right? Yeah, especially so if I'm using a basic method. The method I use, which I'll get into, requires looking at many more pieces at once. Okay. So if I'm reducing it to just the basics, it's I know where everything is. Yeah, yeah, of course. So now when I put in this this second layer, that's eight moves there, eight moves there, eight more, eight more. And now I have two layers of the cube. Yeah. Nice. Then from here, um, the the most basic method that most people will learn on YouTube requires about I'd say eight steps to solve the last layer from this point. Yeah. And uh, most world-class speed cubers are doing the last layer in two steps. Oh, wow. So yeah. the, the, the step I would use here is first to make it all green on top. So I recognize this pattern and do those moves to make, make the green side come together. And then the last step is just to position the remaining pieces of the, the top layer and the cube solved. Nice. You make it look so smooth and simple. That's good. Um, the basically what I've been doing this entire last year, which some people think I'm crazy for, yeah. is developing this conceptual system called ZB. ZB. Okay. Now this is something I have a feeling you'll like this because it's all about memory. Okay. Uh, basically. Uh, ZB is a system where I start with the cross, just yep. like normal, but from here, um, first off, uh, instead of solving the corners of the bottom layer and then the edges of the middle layer, I do those at the same time, Okay. which is pretty standard for advanced speed cubing. Yeah, I, so think, I, I think I tried to, to get into that. I, mean, I got somewhat far and then I stopped it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it just takes practice to kind of figure out uh, 
how everything works because yeah. it's much easier to do this intuitively than it is yeah. to learn algorithms for it. I remember that. I mean, it took a while to, to get that intuition, but once you got it, you're like, oh, it slides in this way. It made a lot of sense once you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, so I'm going through and at this point I've solved um, three of the four slots of the bottom layer. And basically what I mean is if I set it up here, I've got blue on bottom, and this is done, this is done, got it. and this is done, but the fourth slot in the bottom layer isn't done yet. Okay. So what ZB does is once I've solved three of the four slots, I've learned 800 algorithms to solve it in only two steps from this point. The rest of the cube. The rest of the cube in two okay. algorithms. Okay. So... For this, first what I'm going to do is I'm going to solve this final slot and I'm going to make sure that I have a green cross on top when I do that. So that case is that. So now I have two layers done and I have a cross on top. Yep. Now, the, the gist of what ZB is, is first um, orienting this green cross and then... Uh, you know, I've memorized every position that I could possibly have at this point yep. so I can finish it in one algorithm, which is um, an additional 500 cases. So when I see this, I recognize this specific pattern and I know to do that and the cube's done. The cube's done. Wow. And so did you invent that? Uh, so or the, it's inspired the cost, by... Okay. Yeah, yeah. The concept has been around since 2002. Okay. And there have been a few people before me who have attempted to learn the system. Um, there are a couple people who did com complete um, most of the system. Uh, as I said, there are two steps to ZB. And the most important one is those 500 patterns at the very end. I see. Okay. And the people who have learned those 500 patterns haven't been very fast with it. Um, cause there's so much to recall. And one of the big issues was that the algorithms weren't very finger trick friendly. So you couldn't execute them very quickly. Okay. Um, and a year and a half ago, I met a guy named Jabari. Um, Jabari had started cubing about a year before and he was living in South Africa for a year. Okay. And while he was in South Africa, I think he had just finished high school in the States and his family was living there for a year and he wasn't in school. So they, I, I think his, from my understanding is his family basically said, learn stuff, yeah. you know, Why be not? productive, but yeah. do what you want. Okay. And Jabari started developing this ZB system in terms of finding faster algorithms. Okay. So when I met Jabari, he had finished learning those 500 algorithms and that kind of inspired me to, to get into it and try and make those algorithms even better. Okay. So he and I have worked together and at this point we have very fast algorithms for all of these cases and I've been developing the previous step to, to be just as good okay. and the idea behind this is ultimately I think this could be a better system than what we're using right now. Um, okay. it requires one less step. And even though there's a lot more to memorize and a lot more to recognize and execute, 
it's a lot harder, basically. It's like, it's probably 20 times harder than the next most advanced system everybody's okay. using. Wow. But I think after a few years of practice, it'll be better. Got it. So I just finished learning this system, and right now I'm trying to put it into use. And when I'm in competition, if I get good cases for this system, I get really fast times. Wow, okay. But if I get bad cases, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to, to post you know, my best averages in competition. So right now there's definitely a trade-off, and I'm working to, to try and bring my average time down with that system. Yeah. And so you said you have to memorize. Well, learn means memorize, right? Well, first is to memorize and then is to be able to do it without thinking at some point. Um, exactly. But how many things is 800? Or 800. 800. Um, and how long are those sequences, those algorithms? On, um, average? on average, yeah, about 12 moves on average. Okay. Interesting. And so next question as a memory athlete, how are you memorizing them? Is it more of just like, do you have a system for that? Or are you just like sitting there doing the same set of moves, uh, getting muscle memory or how are you doing it? Yeah. Um, so initially, um, I, I grouped the algorithms into similar cases. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, Every time I get a case that looks kind of like this, I know that I know an algorithm for it every time. Okay, that's clever. So, yeah. so that's the first step, to group everything. Then once I've grouped them, I just drill the algorithms over and over and over again. Yeah. But that kind of starts with, because there are so many, it's hard to get them all in your muscle memory right away. Yeah, for sure. So I'll break the algorithms down and try and understand what's happening. Okay. So... Generally, you can track a few pieces and see where they're going. So I'll try and, I mean, I don't translate it into letters like I would with a lot of memory stuff for blindfolded solving. Okay. But in my head, it's almost like I come up with a sort of story of what's happening with the pieces. And it moves, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I kind of see, okay, these go there, that goes here, they come back. And once I've got that down, I'll just drill them over and over again until they start to become muscle memory. Yeah. And uh, then once they're in my muscle memory, which they all are at this point, at okay. this point, all of them are muscle memory. I don't have to think about them when I'm executing them. Got it. But what I'm having to think a lot about right now is recognizing the case that I have and associating it with that specific algorithm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so I might have the algorithm down where sure. I can do it without thinking about it, but I have to know when I see this, it's that algorithm that I have to do. Right, right, right. And are and you? That's what's difficult. Right. That's, so the you have to recognize. And this is basically where the stickers are, right? Like when you see. Yeah. Okay, and I, from what it sounds like, I mean, it's. I remember the one where I had to remember like the shape of things was <clears throat> the yellow uh, on the last layer. You know, one yeah. looked like a, a fish, and then one exactly. was like a little box with a little tail. You know, those are the things that are, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's Jesus fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the good one. If I had that, I was ready to, I could make the, the whole thing yellow on top. Yeah, exactly. Um, so is it that you got to kind of come up with like a, 
a cue for like, oh, that's this case. This looks like, do you have stuff like that where it's like, this reminds me of my, this is the grandma move or something. Yeah, there. you know, it wasn't until I had, I had memorized maybe 600 of these that I realized it might have been helpful to name these things. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I think, interesting. I, I don't know, I'd, I'd like to hear your two cents on this, but I've just been brute forcing it where I see the position of the colors yeah. and it's it's very abstract. I just see the position and I need to know the moves. But I was thinking, you know, if I had called this, I don't know, train, right? and I had written train down next to the algorithm, I, I was wondering if that would help with association. I think it might. Yeah, I, I would have done that. Uh, well, I would have first tried to keep the words as small as possible, um, you know, like a syllable or something, you know, like train is good enough, but, um, you know, like mom or shoe or whatever, you know, all these like very simple things that you can quickly say in your head without losing too much time when you recognize it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I, that would, yeah, I think that would have definitely helped um, in terms of, but you'd also have to, in, in the way that the, the positioning of the cubes and the stickers looks, somehow relate it to a train or, or yeah. a few, But, I mean, that can be as, as stretched out as you want. I mean, it may look nothing like a train, but you say, like, oh, there's, like, a run of, of yellow on the top here that reminds me of a train track, and that's good enough. Yeah. to be like, oh, that's the train one, you know? Um, yeah. Interesting. So what is... So I'm guessing in competitions like tomorrow, are you going to use this or do you still kind of fall back on what you're, you know, will get you the good times for sure? Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, I grouped all of these cases. Yeah. So um, there, there are seven general groups of cases and I've found that the ones I've been using the longest the ones I learned first, yeah. I'm much stronger with right now than the ones I've learned towards the tail end. So of the uh, seven groups, this is a good conversation for me to have right now. I need to figure this out. In competition, I've been trying to use five of the seven groups. Okay. But there are two groups that two of those five that sometimes still slow me down. Okay. So I think it might be good for me to use three of the sevens tomorrow. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a guy coming up from Seattle. His name's Kevin, and uh, he's he's a world champion cuber in the uh, the larger cubes. Okay. He's still he's very fast at the standard cube, but his specialty is the six by six, Got seven it. by seven. Okay. And uh, it's probably in my best interest to not use this full system going up against Kevin tomorrow. So thinking through it out loud right now, I think I'll definitely use about half of the system, but, uh, but, but now I get into the issue. Um, if, if I'm only going to use half of the system, then it's probably in my best interest to not use the first half. All right. So, uh, I, it's really a case-by-case -case basis, and in general, I'm pretty good at just going with the flow of this all and doing whatever feels right at the time, yeah. which usually works out pretty well, but it's I just know that there is definitely, uh, there's, <laughs> doing what I'm doing right now is slowing me down in yeah. general than if I had this system refined. 
Sure. So actually, last month I was in um, South Africa for a couple of competitions. Yeah. And after winning those, I actually bumped up to uh, first first place in the world rankings for most competitions won. No way. Oh, yeah. So, I saw that. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so what I'm thinking right now, I have four more competitions lined up in the next month and a half. Okay. But I think once I've got through those, I'm probably going to take a break from competing until the world championship this summer. Okay. Um, with the idea being that I can finally Master stop that. fighting this, yeah, stop yeah. fighting this constant struggle between mastering what I'm using and also falling back on what I was using before, just so I can compete in competition. It's right. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I, that's the same place I find myself constantly in, in memorization because. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta come up with a new system. I have a new system for like cards and numbers, and I'm halfway in, halfway out. Like in competitions, I still use the old one, but exactly. I don't. I keep doing competitions, so then I don't really get time to to try the new one. But I don't want to do the new one in competition because I'll get a slower score. You know, so <laughs> I gotta like stop and not compete and just do some serious practice and then show up when I'm ready. You know, I feel your pain. Yeah. Um, so what are some of your records? I'd love to know. So like, what's your best car? I, I, I don't know what to aim for. Like, I guess what's your fastest, uh, time, your average time, like, uh, for yeah. three by three. So for three by three, which is definitely my favorite event. Okay. Um, uh, my fastest single time is 6.4 seconds. Wow. And my fastest average time is 7.9. Okay. Nice. So... Nice. The idea behind what I'm learning right now is that I could, if I really wanted to beat my best single time, I could stick to the previous system I was using and just keep drilling it and competing until I got really lucky in competition, yeah. skipped a step, and got a five, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which would be great, but I'm more concerned with my average time. Okay. And when I got my 7.9 average um, when was this? this? It was about a year and a half ago now. So I haven't beat it in a while. Um, at the time, it was really good. Like, top 10 in the world. It was a much faster average than um, I usually got in competition at the time. Okay. Um, but learning this new system has brought my... When I, when I do well with ZB, yeah. I get a lot of sixes and sevens. Nice. Okay. It's just, I get bad cases, I get nines and tens. So, so bad. <laughs> That's still so, amazing, but yeah. Um, I, I guess where I'm going with this right now, my goal is to have this system more or less mastered within the next two years. Okay. And once I have it mastered, I'm extremely confident I can get mid-seven averages, no problem. Nice. But... It's a matter of getting to that point. And I mean, what, what new system are you working on with, with memorization? Is it like memorizing three things together in one image instead of two or kind of, I mean, the top card memorizer right now is Alex Mullen. He's an American guy. Um, he was out there yeah, when you're filming. The he's show. In too. Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, so he's getting his decks of cards in like 16 seconds, which is, Insane. No one's even close to that. I mean, the next guy is Simon. He's a German. He's getting 20 seconds. <clears throat> but um, 
the thing he's doing is is and people have done this for maybe 10 years now as pairs of cards being one thing which that in itself is 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 a big task to learn it's 2700 images you got to know every possible combination of cards um, and he does something slightly different but you know, I always, I'm like, I've been trying to do that for a while, and I set up something where I kind of had all those images, um, but I didn't learn them, and then I saw how he was doing it, and I'm like, well, maybe I should do that, but it's kind of far away from what I've been doing for seven years. Um, so I'm trying to find a way, and I, I think I found it, where I can kind of keep doing the system that I do, just amplified uh, to this two-card pair thing. Um but it's tough because I see him and I'm like, well, he's the fastest in the world. Maybe I should just do what he's doing. Lost you there. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. You're back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was saying, so Alex is doing it one way um, and you're like, well, maybe I should just do it that way because it's proven to work. But then I'm like, well, I'm so good at my way. Maybe I should just make a version of mine that's similar to his, but kind of my own. It's, it's, it's complicated, especially when you've been doing something for so long the same way. And it's fast enough, right? Like, yeah. what am I really trying to do? Like, shave five right. seconds off? I mean, who cares except for me? Um, exactly. But it's important, and so I'm still working on it. <laughs> What's the I, – I, so you're saying the average, good average would be like seven and a half in mid-sevens. What is that world record average? Yeah, world record average is six and a half. Okay, wow. All right. So we're yeah, talking like a second. Guy, yeah, there's a guy. His name's Felix. He's kind of – the Alex of the cube world. Okay. Uh, he and the system he uses isn't isn't ZB. Although he, so there are lots of different variants of these speed solving techniques. And what Felix does is instead of mastering a system completely, he learns the best stuff from each variation, and then depending on what he gets in the solve, he uses that. Oh, which, which is great. I mean, that's really good. And, and I do that too, to a certain extent. But for some reason, I just really want to master this system fully. I think there's something kind of beautiful almost about knowing this really advanced system and being yeah. able to use it every time. It's, yeah. it's just, it's more fun for me. So yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's part of it, right? It's like, yeah, you want to get the end result, which is faster times, but it's also kind of mastering it in your own way that you're proud of, and it's kind of like you kind of help figure it out. So that's kind of special if you can master. Everybody's going to want to do your your uh, created system, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. And you know, I've been I've been so concerned about the speed of my solves for it's coming up on nine years now that I've been solving Rubik's cubes and. <laughs> I think when you focus on the end result, getting faster times, improving your world ranking, it puts pressure on you in competition. And I know there have been many times where I could have got faster times in competition, yeah. but I put a lot of pressure on myself to try and maintain that ranking. Right. And it's stressful. It's hard. <laughs> and after doing this for nine years and constantly trying to like, you know, maintain a like top 20 in the world ranking, it's it's difficult. So I, I'm finding a lot more enjoyment out of mastering this system rather than focusing on my times right now. Got it. Got it. And so what what's next for you? What are you trying to do? You do this for full time? Is this your profession? Well, I'm still in school right now. Okay. So 
all of this travel and everything that I've been doing, it's it's every weekend for me. I've I've been living that Tuesday Thursday class schedule life for a couple of years okay. now. Okay. <laughs> what do you study? Sorry. What do you study? Uh, business. So I'm doing a like a econ business administration double major, and right now what I have going on. Um, so I'm mastering this system and trying to step back from competitions for a little while. Yep. And in the process, I'll be focusing on school. And I do I do shows with the cube um, that are kind of twofold. They're either educational or of the entertainment variety. Cool. Um, and I have I have some different shows and talks that I've put together over the years, but. I guess this next year I'm trying to refine these further, start nice. pushing that a bit more because I've been, I've been getting gigs when I can. Um, but when I'm competing every other weekend, I don't have a lot of time yeah. to, to do that. So this next year I'm going to try and put myself in good position to, to make this a full time thing once I graduate. Very cool. Yeah. It's a cool thing. And people are fascinated by the, the cube world. I think you're in a good space. Um, how can people learn more about you? Do you have a website? Yeah, brooksCubing.com. BrooksCubing.com. And then follow you. What's your handles and stuff? Yeah, brooksCubing for everything. Um, but I mostly post on Instagram. So okay. that's the best bet. Got it. I'll put that information below. Uh, one last thing I got to ask you because I think it's the coolest friggin' picture. Probably you think the same. I, I, you you rotated in your your cover or your pro picture, but and I don't remember the rapper. But you're on stage and <laughs> it's like in front of an audience, and some rapper's just like out of his mind, and you're just like tossing the Rubik's cube away, like you just solved it. What was that? Yeah. So there's this rapper called Logic. Um, yeah, yeah, Logic. He, yeah. He's getting he's getting really big right now. A lot of people haven't heard him, but I like his music. If you like rap, he's very lyrics oriented, which I'm into. So I I had heard his music a few years ago, and uh, in 2014, 20, 2015, I met him at a big music festival in New York. Okay, and we hit it off because of the whole cube connection. He he's always posting on social media about Rubik's cubes. He's okay. He's a cuber himself. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask if he solved it. Yeah, okay. so that was kind of the connection. And then <laughs> I'll, I'll give you like a, a two-minute version of the story. But um, I went to one of his concerts in Dallas last year. And I thought about reaching out before the concert, but I had a lot going on. I actually had a Rubik's Cube competition that same day. Um so I just showed up to the concert. He didn't know I'd be there. Uh -huh. But mid-song at the concert, he sees me in the crowd. Okay. And that was pretty cool in and of itself because he kind of like, he did a double take and my brother was with me. He's like, dude, he just he just noticed you. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Then like mid-song, he's like pointing at me and Sick. people around me in the crowd are like, who's this guy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he walks around. He's like smiling and looking at me throughout the solve finishes the solve and he like yells at the stage hands to turn on the lights and he's like Anthony is that Anthony motherfucking Brooks and I was <laughs> like yeah man how's it going and we started having a conversation like in the middle of the concert yeah. and I had a Rubik's Cube with me so he's like toss the cube up here so I toss it up on stage he's mixing it up and uh 
during his concert sometimes he'll do a little cube demo where he gets yeah, like there's a background with a Rubik's cube and he'll solve it and music will be playing. Oh, nice. Well, instead of doing it himself that time, he tells his like six foot nine security detail to like lift me up onto the stage. So I'm hoisted up, placed on the stage, and yeah, I did the whole thing. He mixed it up for me and uh, <laughs> there's a big countdown. Oh, uh, he asked me, he, he challenged me to solve it in less than 15 seconds, and I did it in like seven seconds. Yeah, of course. Actually, when I talked about uh, like skipping a step in competition to get a really fast time, yeah. I don't know what it is. I guess I'm lucky. But for whatever reason, whenever I'm like in a really big moment, like when I was on Good Morning America, when I was on Good Day New York, yeah. when I was up on stage with Logic, I just keep skipping that last step. Oh, you get those good cases. Insanely fast time. So I solved it. Like, I don't know. I was just, it was like a really hyped up moment. You know, I'm like dancing around on stage, toss the cube up in the air. They snap that photo. And it was a really cool experience. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's an epic photo. All the like reactions in the setting. It's like you can ask for a better (laughs) one for like your branding. You know, that's awesome. Cool story. Um, Nice. Well, good luck tomorrow. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time. Uh, I'd love to, privately, we can talk more about strategies and maybe we can talk about memory a little more. Um, but I uh, hope to see you somewhere. We cross paths somewhere. We're on very different planes, but somehow they can they kind of collide somewhere, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, good luck tomorrow, man. Thanks for your time. Well, uh, I'll share your info below and, and I'll, just, I'll let you know when the video's up. Awesome. It's been fun. Cool, man. Take it easy.